You're listening to Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World with Father Anthony Messa, where we explore ways to encourage and equip the local Orthodox Church. Let's get started. Well, welcome to the Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World podcast. My name is Father Anthony Messa, and we have a great podcast for you today as we're going to look at the role of the church in the community. And obviously these days, that's a hot topic, which a lot of people are discussing what the church can be doing, what the church should be doing, or what the church shouldn't be doing. And today we're going to share our strategy um, at STSA, and it's, it's one of the core fundamental beliefs upon which our church is founded. And joining me today, I have a special guest who is uh, Steve Messa, who is a founding member of STSA Church. He is the director of a nonprofit organization called Hope Multiplied, and he's also my brother. Least importantly. Okay, it's good you <laughs> Most importantly, most important. I like to end with a bang, so thanks for joining us here today, Steve. Sure. The reason we invited Steve uh, to join us is to talk about the work that's being done by that organization, Hope Multiplied, um, and I'll let Steve kind of tell you um, what, what that's all about. But specifically, that's relevant now for two reasons. One, obviously, everything that's going on around us in the, in the country these days, um, the role of the church in the community has been highlighted. But secondly, because one of the programs and events that Hope puts on is an annual conference called Momentum. And that conference actually takes place next week um, on Saturday, June 27th. It is a annual conference that you know people come from all over for, but this year, obviously, it's a little bit different. It's actually gonna be all virtual and all online. Um, and I know many people have heard about Momentum for years and always wanted to attend. Well, this is your chance because you don't have to pay for a plane ticket or accommodations or anything like that. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And, and the reason why, um, again, it's relevant is because the topic is what does love require? And with so much going on in the world, we're gonna talk about the church and its role in the world and specifically focus on Jesus's command to love as he loved us. So we'll tell you more about that as we get in and how to register and all that. But first, let me welcome Steve. Um, and Steve, maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about Hope and what it is and, and where it came from. Yeah, um, I appreciate the, the invite. And um, really Hope came out of the church, out of STSA. When we were starting this in 2012, there was, um, we were looking at how to do church. And one of the things we felt so passionate about was that we, we need to fundamentally put into the core values of the church this love for the community around us, that we can't just be an internally focused church, but an externally focused church. And so we said we were going to create a nonprofit organization that would be the community service arm of the church. So everything that happens in the community runs through hope. And, you know, every time I say that, people always ask, well, why don't you just make it like a ministry of the church, right? You have like a Sunday school ministry, like a deacon. Why not just make it a ministry? And the reason it's not a ministry is because it's not for a subsect of people, mm -hmm. right? Like deacons, like not everyone can be a deacon. That's why you have a deacon ministry and those who are in charge of it. Same thing with Sunday school. Not everyone's called to be a Sunday school teacher. But we felt like this was so paramount to the success of the church that it needed to be something written into the core values of the church and it needed to be something that everyone could be involved in and included in. So we created this nonprofit. The other reason that the nonprofit works is that of course it takes advantage of the system here in the United States in the sense of things are done strategically here. We have opportunities through a nonprofit that you might not have through the church. So while it is a separate organization, it is absolutely connected to the mission and vision of the church and it fulfills the core value of genuine love for the community that mm -hmm. the church strives to. 
And I, I love the way you said it, um, that it's, it's not something for a subset of the church. It is the church. And, you know, actually the, the church was, the hope was actually registered before the church. Mm-hmm. Hope received its, its nonprofit status before the church did. So um, from truly from the very the start, it was something that, that's embedded in the DNA of the church and will live there forever. Um, maybe you can tell us about some of the programs that we do through hope and the impact of those programs. And, and just to kind of, I want to say something that you, Steve, always say, which I love, is that um, we talk less about community service and more about community impact, mm-hmm. okay? Because the goal isn't just to do stuff in the community as much as to impact the community. So tell us some of the ways that hope, um, that the church is impacting the community through hope. Yeah, and, and before I tell you about the programs, I have to caveat that every program that we do at Hope came out of a need that we identified in the community. We always talk about hope. We say we're needs-based, not expertise-based, right? So what we do is very much dependent on where we serve. So we do not subscribe to the idea of going into neighborhoods, going into communities and telling people what they need, showing off the great expertises that we have that you know may not have a need in that mm-hmm. community. We go in and we listen. And that is a lost art these days, especially in the church, and especially these days where people are so in need and people try to come into communities. You've been in there all of two minutes and you think Mm -hmm. you know what they need. Mm -hmm. We go into these neighborhoods in humility and we say, how can we serve you? What are your greatest needs? And so every program that we've done over the last eight years has come out of a need, whether that's connecting with a community group there, local leaders, government officials. We identify the greatest needs and then create programs to meet those needs. Mm -hmm. So really, like I said, what we do is dependent on where we serve. Mm -hmm. For example, here in Arlington, Virginia, where our church is based, is a little bit more affluent community than uh, some of the pockets in Washington, D.C. So a lot of our uh, programs are based on educational kind of academic goals. So we do a lot of mentoring programs for at-risk kids in the public school system. So kids that are falling behind behaviorally, academically, or socially, we connect them with a mentor for an entire school year and we give them activities and we essentially build relationships through those mentoring programs. We also do uh, reading programs for kids who are uh, deficient or not reading at grade level uh, in Arlington. And so a lot of it is academic based in Arlington. If you move over to Washington DC, which is a much more uh, impoverished community and much more kind of poor neighborhoods, we do a lot more basic necessities, right? So kind of think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, clothing, shelter, right? So uh, one of our our biggest programs is we operate a pediatric mobile health clinic uh, in a neighborhood called Anacostia in Washington, D.C., one of the poorest uh, neighborhoods here in D.C., providing access to healthcare for kids who don't have access to a primary care facility. Um, We also have another program called Healthy Start where we provide uh, access to healthy food for kids during non-school days, so during school closures, which of course now is at the Mm -hmm. epicenter of coronavirus, but we were ahead of the game, okay? And (laughs) this is like the one time we were ahead of the game is we developed this program in September and identified this need then and launched it uh, in the winter. And so of course, when COVID hit, uh, we quickly Mm -hmm. uh, changed things around and and we're delivering daily meals to 25 Mm -hmm. students down there, over Mm 5,000 meals over the last three months. And I just want to pause right there because that's something that's that's noteworthy and I want to make sure our audience picked that up is that ever since this, this coronavirus hit and schools have been out, say that again, the numbers, how many meals you've been delivering? Uh, three meals a day for 25 kids over 12 weeks, 5,000 meals, over. And, and what, what I want, what I, what I love about this, again, is the whole idea of impact. 
it's not 5,000 meals, not we find 5,000 people, everyone gets a meal, you know, and it's not just kind of, you know, haphazard, how many, it's how can we make an impact and how can we take these kids who are in serious need and we can't do three meals a day with 5,000 kids, but we can do it for 25 kids and we can do it for the course of uh, whatever period. So, and I'll just say that a lot of those kids came out of our mentor program. Right. So we couldn't have identified that need if we weren't listening and building partnerships mm-hmm. in the community, which is so vital mm-hmm. for the church and for the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember even when we when we first started getting involved in Arlington, you know, we have no expertise in anything. Like you said, mobile health clinic. We are not doctors, you know, making food. Like I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the mm-hmm. other day. It wasn't that good. But I mean, we don't have any particular expertise, but we basically, as you said, is we met with officials in the county. We said, we want to serve and we want to do homeless stuff. And they're like, well, Arlington, that's eh, not. And they guided us. So this is something for all of our church leaders out there who are listening is don't don't marry yourself to we do we want to do this activity we 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 said we want to serve and what is it that the community is in need of again think of it like doctors okay if the church is supposed to be like a hospital what medicine do the people need if you have a broken leg a broken foot or or cancer or people have you know whatever the, the medicine should match the sickness so um that's that's a very important part mm-hmm. i think of what we do um and speaking of church leaders Okay, Steve, we got a whole bunch of people out here who are listening, who obviously care about the community, but they care about their own church. Mm -hmm. And they're listening because they want to make their churches a better place and they want to invest in their people. So what impact does Hope make within the church? Like what's the benefit to our members, Mm -hmm. not just externally, but internally? Yeah, I would take that kind of on two levels. I think on the macro level, the benefit to the church as an entity, as an organization, is it builds those relationships in the community, right? And so when we go into the community, we are going as hope, but over time, these relationships get so strong that they are introduced to the church one way or another. I mean, you, Father, you come to our gala every year. You see all our partners. Mm-hmm. They thank you for the work we're doing. You come mm-hmm. to the holiday party mm-hmm. for kids from the hospital. They thank and, me as if I did something other than just show up. You seem happy to take it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the Queen of England. I just kind of wave. Yeah. So uh, on a macro level, now when people hear about St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church in Arlington, they associate it with, man, you guys are invested in the community. You guys are doing work. Thank you for what you're doing. Don't leave or don't, you know, change anything as opposed to, you know, other reputations that churches may have in, in, in certain areas. So um, and that's very kind of you. Basically, what you're saying is a lot of communities, the churches, the reputation is they're loud and they park on our the lawn. bell at midnight. Yeah, yeah they ring exactly. the bell at midnight. So that, that's on a macro level, right? The, the benefit of the church and the reputation of the church on a kind of micro level to the individuals. Really, what you're doing is giving an outlet to members who may not see themselves as Sunday school teachers or deacons or, uh, you know, core volunteers in the church, people that may have kind of creative ideas on how to reach the community, people that have a heart for kids who are at risk, who, who you may be in a church, uh, an affluent church, there's no at-risk kids. You're going to tell that person they can't serve? No. So it takes the creativity of the people and the people that have a real passion and heart Uh, You know, I'm thinking of a volunteer that we have who runs our Love Your City program who has this incredible heart for the homeless that ever, you know, long before we were ever doing any Mm -hmm. homeless ministry, this guy was on the streets building relationships. And so we take that passion, you take that zeal, and then you just kind of channel it into a larger entity and really make an incredible impact. Mm -hmm. And so now he has an outlet Mm -hmm. to express that passion. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a tremendous benefit. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen as as the 
a priest of a church is a lot of the people who are joining the church, this is their first service in the church is like you said, is they, we, we do a volunteer orientation where people come and here at different opportunities. We talk about the Sunday school and whatever and whatever inside the church. And then we talk about the outside. And I want to say probably 80% of the people who are not members of the church yet, this is their, their entryway in there because everyone is interested in helping their community. Um, and it's a great way to get people engaged in the church. And, you know, now they're relating not just with the community, but they're also relating with other volunteers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're, they're, they're building some fellowship there within the church community as well. So it's win, 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 win on all around, all fronts. So. We always talk about, and we, we've been saying this for eight years at the church, on-ramps. Mm-hmm. It's creating on-ramps. Correct. And if you create too large of a ramp for people to, to kind of overcome mm-hmm. to the ministry, you, you're never going to get those new mm-hmm. people. So creating easy on-ramps, creating mm-hmm. easy yeses, mm-hmm. and then building that, mm-hmm. that community. Some people will come through community service, some through Sunday school, some through, absolutely. Okay, I, earlier I was talking a little bit about momentum and teasing that. Tell us about momentum. What is it and why we do it? Yeah, momentum is something we've been doing now for eight years, uh, which, which seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, momentum really started out of this desire to inspire and equip the future but now current generation of leaders of the church. Is really to really pour into them, to get a bunch of people in a room and to equip them with the tools they need to be church leaders, to, to you know, have this incredible responsibility to lead the church and to you know, face all these new obstacles and challenges that we're seeing in our society. How do we maneuver these things? It was really a place to you know, information share and encourage one another. So we you know, would gather, last year we gathered you know, over 650 leaders and, and brought them all to DC. And it's this really incredible experience to sit down with leaders and we're not sitting there saying, we have it all figured out. We're not sitting there saying, you know, follow us or do anything like that. We're saying, how can we equip you? And how can we, you know, share the experiences that we have with each other? And so uh, it's really a, a, a unique weekend in the sense of, um, you know, I love seeing people leave so encouraged to go back to their own place, mm-hmm. right? If the end of the weekend is, I want to come move to DC and serve at your church, that's a stupid weekend, right? Absolutely. That's that's not a, a fruitful weekend. People come and say, you know, I learned something from someone else. Maybe it wasn't someone on the stage. You know, they learn a lot from people on the stage, but from, you know, friends and, and whatever. So uh, they really take it and tailor it to their own place. We find that to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that's always been in my mind for Momentum since we started, in the beginning, we wrestled with the idea of a retreat, okay? And we were just calling it a retreat because we're just used to calling it a retreat. Um, and I remember we said, no, it's not a retreat. It's a conference. Okay. And even the first year uh, I took it even a further step. And I said on the stage in front of everyone, we were going to call it a retreat, but we said, it's not a retreat because a retreat means move back. And I said, we're going to call this an attack. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like the opposite of a retreat, because the idea, the difference between a retreat and what we're trying to do here is I feel like a retreat is giving people fish. Whereas what we're trying to do is teach people how to be fishers. Because as you said, is, is the goal is not that we come to a retreat, we listen to some talks. Like there's no shortage these days. Anyone who wants to listen to information and talks can go online, there's a plethora of it. But the hope is that we bring like-minded people together and we equip them so that they can go and do the work in their own community. And we always try to have that, that practical component mm-hmm. um, beyond just giving people spiritual messages and Bible studies. Um, so we've been doing it for eight years, as you said. Um, 
obviously this year is, is going to be a little bit different. So why don't you tell us what we can expect momentum to look like this year? It's going to be different. And that's not um, better or worse. It's going to be different. Um, and, you know, this year it's going to be hard. I mean, we wrestled just to kind of... Uh, you know, t tear the curtain back a little bit. We wrestled a lot with this year. Uh, we thought about canceling it, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, postponing it. And the conclusion was, we can't sit this one out. Mm -hmm. And the church can't sit this time out, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the, the needs of the world, the, the, the issues with society, they didn't sit out a summer. If anything, they increased. So the church cannot be on the sidelines right now. And so it's imperative on us to get together, to get everyone in a room and see what is the church's role uh, in everything that's going on right now. How can we as church leaders kind of grow this? And so we're going to get everyone in a virtual room because that's the safest thing uh, that we can do right now. But um, it's going to be everything that you love about it, uh, but virtual because there's going to be some great speakers that come. Uh, you know, you, Father Anthony, will be there and, 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 you know, doing your thing. And we have some other great speakers who on a normal year, on a regular year, on a non-different year, we could never have gotten them and, and gotten on their calendar and, and flown them out to D.C. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said, it's different, but, but this could be better. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it really could be very engaging to get all these speakers. We have breakout speakers from how many different countries? We got Africa coming. Uh, we have several states here in the U.S., uh, speakers from all different backgrounds. So um, it's such a unique opportunity mm -hmm. that hopefully next year we don't have to do this and we're all sitting in a room. But for this year, uh, I think the subject matter is too important to sit out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, you know, we've had this conversation many times is we always did momentum in February. We always did it in February. I'm going to get blamed for moving it to June, <laughs> aren't I? No. So we always do it in February. And this year we decided to move it to June. And had we done it in February, it would have been like two weeks before all the quarantine stuff, like middle to end of February. But we moved it to June, not knowing anything. Like This was like a year ago decision. And now look at the world. And even when we made the decision to move forward, it was even before all the stuff in the country and the, and, and the, the protests and things like that. It was really just the coronavirus was going on. But my point is God really had a plan and God wanted it for this particular time. And, and that's because, as I mentioned earlier, our theme is what does love require of me? And in the middle of a, a lot of chaos around us and, and division all around us and, and fear and anxiety, which it's everywhere. You know, we don't always know what to think. We don't always know what to believe, but we almost always know what love requires us to do. And that's what we're going to be focusing on is is, is how we can respond to whatever we're facing, and everyone may be facing different things, but in we know we don't know exactly what always to think or believe, but we know what Christ commanded us to do, which is to love one another as he loved us. So I'm excited for this year. I think it's um, planned by God, and he's got something special in store. And, you know, it's always been like a secret dream of ours to, to be able to make momentum more accessible to people because mm -hmm. we got people who you know fly from all over the country and spend a lot of money and I hate wasting money and a lot of people say you know we're from you know Seattle and we can't spend the money or we're from you know uh, England or whatever it may be so now we have an opportunity that it's only going to cost you 20 bucks that's all it takes to register and you don't got to pay for anything other than that do from the comfort of your own home you can attend with us live. If you're in a different time zone, you can catch it on demand as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for Momentum. 
And if you are out there and um, want to know more about Momentum or any of the work that Hope is doing, please go to their website, which is hopemultiplied.org. That's hopemultiplied.org. And you can find out more about the great work that Hope is doing and also get registered for Momentum if you are interested. So thank you so much for joining us today, Steve. Really appreciate it. Hope that you'll uh, come back and join us maybe at a later date as well. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World. I hope everyone um, takes the message that uh, we shared here today and, and that God would inspire you how you can apply it in your local church, and your local community. Thanks for joining, everyone. For more great resources for Orthodox leaders, check out stsaministries.org.